Annyeonghaseyo. Welcome to Afternoon of Delight. We're Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare recs for good measure, because why not ride the Hallyu wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bookie and listen to your new favorite unnies. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. So um, we have had a listener who has reached out to us incredibly generously, I might add, because really um, it's not your responsibility to have to like help us with our Korean pronunciation, but obviously, you know, the struggle is real for the three of us sometimes. <laughs> and so, yes, we're trying to do better. So hopefully the show today will reflect it. And if not, look, we're happy to take pointers. But really the point that I want to get across is that we're trying to like do that work ourselves. And something that I think is interesting is that, you know, clearly when we're looking at like Hangul, because none of the three of us can read it, we're having to like rely on like the romanization of all of like the like Korean words. And then unfortunately that leads to us inserting vowel sounds and things that like would be probably common in American English, which I know must sound like nails on the chalkboard to many of you, especially having like lived somewhere like Hawaii where like, you know, people would come and just like you know, once I understood how the vowels were meant to sound, it was very jarring when people would come and pronounce it. So we are sorry for ears that we have offended and we, and people have been really nice. Like nobody was like angry about it, but like, we, we don't want to sound horrible basically. (laughs) Yeah. No, right. Like we did a whole episode, like an early episode on, you know, appropriation versus appreciation and i know that like mispronouncing doesn't fall under appropriation but we do want to show our appreciation by pronouncing our favorite actors and actresses you know pronouncing their names right we want to pronounce words that we use from their language correctly especially if we use them in our intro like we want to get it right and so we a hundred percent appreciate the the pointers that we've been given because we're learning yeah the latest email was so nice and so well uh, it's such a great explanation and it would have taken her a long time to type up that email. Uh, so we just want to say that I felt like, like we got a mini. We did. It was class. very we lovely. <laughs> Grace, right? That was her name. So thank you, yes. Grace. Um, and I, cause I think part of the issue too, is when, when we're reading subtitles and dramas, I feel like my English mind hears what it wants to hear do you know what i'm saying so even if so again eo pronunciation is definitely the one that's like caught me off guard because i swear in my head i hear like park seojun because that's the way it's written and just because i'm i'm reading it as it's being said or something like that right and that's why it's like so hard sometimes to be like no that's not what they're saying at all uh it, it, it was it's it would almost be better if i wasn't reading it at the same time i'm listening to it or why couldn't they have just re- like who got to decide to write it these yeah, ways I wanna <laughs> like, talk that's to that my person. question i'm like why couldn't you write it like it sounds right like right just saw like yeah. sajun like yeah just write it like I know, that. that would be right. really helpful like, that's, exactly. a, like, that's a question i have is like wh- just like don't f us over yeah. and like help but us we out. are trying very much and i and i and i don't mind if someone's like you're absolutely butchering this actor's name like totally let me know because i i will try i will just say i we even do it to each other oh, yeah. if we notice like you know like we're 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 helping each other out and we love 
we love yeah. that and we love you helping us yeah, out. Yeah, I mean as if well. you're bilingual, I'm in awe because I, I swear like my tongue just does not move. Like I can't even do accents. I am horrible. So um I mean I can't even say <laughs> on right, okay. <laughs> on. On so, we can yeah. do your accent. So, um <laughs> I'm definitely so we're all definitely trying, but I but we did really, really appreciate that email. Um because and it, it, you know, you might have heard a little difference in our intro today. Uh, because I hope so. I really, I really hope so. But thank you. Thank you again. And, and we appreciate it and always like reach out. But, uh, like I said, the email was really, really, uh, sweet. And, you know, we all read it and I'm like in my bedroom by myself, like practicing <laughs> how to pronounce things. And going to YouTube and listening, I'm like, how do they say parks? Right. It's parks of June. Yeah. Because I have been saying it names that now I know I was, I've been butchering in the past, I was saying before the podcast, there's um, an AT's member of the K-pop group, and his name is spelled Y-E-O-S-A-N-G. And so I wasn't saying like Yeo Song, but I was definitely saying Yo Song. And then when we got that email, I went back through some videos, and he's definitely saying Yo Song. And I was like, oh, Megan, like, seriously, pay attention. <laughs> but like your brain just goes to what the letters are doing. It does. I see the O and I'm like, oh, it le- it's, you know, it, it does. It, it's just like, it's like a, it's like a brain vi- visual thing. Somebody else sent us last week, a short little video of like carpool karaoke with BTS. And in it, RM was talking about how he learned to watch, uh, to speak English watching friends. And I was like, damn it. Like I watched like a lot of K-drama right. now. Well, how many and hours I mean, of K-drama? I like, and... okay, like, am I yeah. just... <laughs> This is a personal challenge now. Like, yeah, we are, we will not, cause you know, I grew up like, you know, I've got an Italian last name. And so like, you know, being like, I don't know, maybe yeah. people of Megan's ilk being like, I'm going to go get, some, let's go on and get some Italian. <laughs> <laughs> One. Oh, so anyway, yeah. Another big news. <laughs> yeah. Um. So COVID has now entered our home. My child has tested positive for COVID the day before her birthday. And so I wanted to talk about it today because um, this is a podcast about, you know, K-drama and we want to get to the fun stuff, like what's wrong with Secretary Kim. However, it's come to my attention in like being, having this positive diagnosis today. I will say she's asymptomatic completely at this point. Um, Fingers crossed she remains asymptomatic. She was unvaccinated because she is under 12. And we caught it because I am a cuckoo crazy mom who we've been getting PCR tested regularly at school, but she's been having um, an up. There have been what I consider to be more than a few cases. So she was at four cases in her class and that was feeling not great as a parent, um, especially as we've been like really cautious in all of COVID. And so her PCR tests had been coming back negative, which was reassuring. And those are the tests that are kind of more the gold standard. But yesterday when she took a test at school, they said, look, there might be like a four day delay at this point because, you know, Delta's around and like everything's just so impacted. And so when my husband came home to tell me that I was like, like, I feel like we need to be like on this more, like she could be sitting and like spreading COVID somehow and like we're not even gonna know and so he went to like three pharmacies and came home like covid santa with like 20 tests or something like it was crazy and like it was crazy how happy i was like yay these tests and we're all like tests Woo-hoo! and i was like our <laughs> lives are like shit right now if this is what we're happy about so this morning i was like okay i want to try giving a test and like see how this goes 
So I was going to say, um, you know, come over here and I'm like, let's test it out. And I did. And these tests are like birth control tests or not birth control. These tests are like pregnancy tests. And I'll let you know, have I had surprise pregnancy tests, Amy and Megan, because you do know this. Yes, I have. <laughs> That's a story for another day. Yes. I do believe you have. I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, I did. And now I have a five-year-old that was unexpected. So um, I had that vibe. All of a sudden it was positive And I was like, what the, and I'm pretty sure I said all the words that I said when I found I was pregnant five years, you know, six years ago. And I didn't know I was planning on having another baby. And so, um, yeah. And then we repeated it still positive. Everyone else in the family tested the rapid test for the kids were negative and everyone else was done. Like, and I was like, and we can find you some K-dramas to binge. And like her birthday, like I got her the new TXT album and the new Rosé album and the new Stray Kids album. So like she's going to have some stuff to do. But like, what a sucky suck. That's all. And so you, both of these both these ladies were like, hey, we can skip it tonight. And I was like, you know what? Please, let's not. Because I've spent the entire day. I was supposed to go back into the office today, too. Like this was supposed to be my first day back like on campus. And I got ready last night, like the first day of school, like laid my clothes out and packed yeah. my lunch. And I'm like, of course, of course I did. Because of course we were going to have COVID this yeah. morning. I, so I yeah, so we're bad. all just like living well, at home back to like being up in each other's grill for 10 days. So, well, I hope she's, I hope she stays asymptomatic and I'm sorry that this is happening over her birthday. And I know, I know. That's the part that makes me sad. It's like, it sucks. You know? And so I wanted to share because for anyone listening, like I also wanted to just like normalize this because one thing that I noticed today is when I was telling people, because I told everyone <laughs> like that possible was, um, you know, like, oh, it's okay. Like, I won't tell anyone what you told me or, you know, whatever, like this was a secret or we would be embarrassed. And I'm like, my kids were going to school with N95 masks. Like we have been careful. Like they have been since we had exposures in the class, they've been doing everything like canceled all after school, everything like this is, you know, this is real and it's super contagious and like nobody should be embarrassed unless like you're choosing to be really stupid and like, I don't know, lick garbage cans. Like, you know, this is happening and it sucks, but you know, at no point should someone feel like a pariah because of it. Exactly. We shouldn't, it shouldn't be a stigma if you, right. Yeah. Right. It's like right? the Scarlet C. <laughs> like, I am sorry, obviously, that Bronte is COVID. I am slightly jealous that your tests are accessible. Uh, we had a COVID scare this weekend and we could, we wanted, we just, my daughter was experiencing, uh, she had cold, she had a cold. By the way, she's negative. So I'll just say first. So everything's okay. But uh, she she did have a cold and we obviously didn't want to send her to school and we didn't want her to see her grandparents and things like that if she had COVID. So my husband, you know, left just to go to the, the closed drugstore to get a test. There wasn't one there. He drove essentially all over our county, Pennsylvania, could not find a test. Uh, and everyone was out of rapid tests. Obviously, there's no appointments available until like three days. Mm -hmm. So I ended up... <laughs> The closest rapid test we could find was in Baltimore, which I live in Pennsylvania. Baltimore is about an hour away. Um, although this was pretty far. This was like Southern Baltimore. <laughs> so it was more like an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half. And as I'm driving down there, I'm like, it's not a big deal. I've driven to Baltimore all the time. But, but hey, I got the tests, <laughs> got them back. We spent $75 on three tests. 
and uh so she's negative it is weird taking it though because it's like it's like a preg- pregnancy test it's so weird you just wait for the you wait for the line to show up yeah it so is. but yeah, yeah, line. Was... the little pink line that's gonna change her life <laughs> she sold she sold the sniffles but it's like oh okay i guess she got and that's me right now so i've got the sniffles yeah. and i'm waiting on a covid test you know like it's the story of life right now yeah and i think that there's like I mean, I can't, I cannot, like, are we going to be doing this in a year? Like, maybe I'm I just, I think are. my mental port. Thank, all I can say, and this is our segue, I guess, is thank ah, for K-drama. K-drama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And can like to, to just to talk about how excited we all are for the drama that we're talking about tonight, which Leah's already mentioned is what's wrong with Secretary Kim. We all, and I think I've mentioned this before, we record on, um, on an app called Squadcast and when you enter the app, it asks for your name. And we always put names that reflect the K-drama that we're talking about. <laughs> and all three of us pop into the chat tonight with the same Squadcast name. And it is Aura. Aura. <laughs> it's just so funny. Every Usually they're all different. Yes. And because we usually just pick something that's like that we like from the drama. And it's just hilarious. All that it's all this, this has never happened. Aura, right? Aura, Aura. Aura. Well, let's talk Park Sajun as a chayball with an abundance of self-confidence, great hair, and a fantastic memory. Park Min Young as a very capable, adorable, yet stern secretary with amazing hair extensions. Add in some brother drama, a rocker father, some overprotective sisters, and some amazing Norbang scenes with a great office cast, and one hell of a childhood meet for the leads, and we have What's Wrong with Secretary Kim, a 2018 office drama that has lots of aura. So we think this will be an interesting podcast as Amy and Leah watch this as only their third K-drama after Chloe and Goblin, while Megan, me, uh, I had a good dozen dramas <laughs> or maybe two dozen dramas. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I think you're at like a, I don't even know what a, like not a baker, like a triplicate baker's yeah. dozen or something. I don't, yeah, we're well beyond. <laughs> yeah, you're at like 50 dramas. <laughs> A dozen. Okay, we need to pause there for a second. Like, I can't even believe that you kept that in the script. <laughs> a good dozen dramas. Okay, okay. Like, whatever. You know what I'm saying. You've got at least, like, 48. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I have a lot under my belt, okay, before I tackled What's Wrong with Secretary Kim. And we think reactions to any K-drama can really depend on where you watch it within your K-drama journey, which we'll get to later. A dozen but first of all, uh, we are going to get into the non-spoiler section so if you haven't seen what's wrong with secretary kim this is uh this is a part that you can still listen to we're going to talk about the drama but just in a non-spoilery way and when we do get into the spoiler section we'll give you a heads up if you want to head on out (laughs) before we give away all the goodies um but first up Park Sejun, is he best at being a jock with average intelligence, a la Fight for My Way and Midnight Runners, or a narcissistic chayball? Or do you want to see him play everything? So I love that you're asking this question right after, you know, we we make the sort of caveat that like how we feel about this drama depends on where we watch it in our K-drama journey. And this was my third mm-hmm. K-drama. So, and it was my first Park Sejun drama. So I don't know how it happened for you two, but when, when I see someone for the first time in a drama, that is the role that I think is that person until I see them in something else. I mean, how, like, how has Hyun Bin not a North Korean soldier in every drama? 
Like yeah. it took me so long to stop looking for signs of Captain Ree when I watched <laughs> Secret Garden. And Gong Yu is Goblin? All right, fine. Kim Shin's real. <laughs> and it was his doppelganger who was in Coffee Prince and Train to Busan. But for real, I thought Parks of June <laughs> was born to be a table. And then I saw Fight for My Way and after that Midnight Runners. And he blew me away as the blue collar jock. So yeah, I would say just give me Parks of June in anything at this point and I'll be more than happy. I want to see him play everything like truly i i just every role i see him in i fall more in love with his abilities and, <laughs> and everything i i would say my favorite role of his is still uh kodong man in fight for my way really that's so shocking i know right as anyone's surprised <laughs> if you hear this podcast or you uh you listen to our merry mate murder uh episode so no one plays a vulnerable jock like Park Sojun. He was amazing as Park Sarui in Itawan class, but that type of like all good altruistic character is just is just not like a personal favorite. Um, I mean, Dong Man will forever remain in my heart. Him and his over the top ego. First, I have to quibble with when you said fantastic hair because this comma look for him is not it for me. <laughs> oh my god, no. I loved it! I loved it. You don't understand. I loved it so much. His dog man hair is my favorite so far. That's my favorite. Even, even with the red, I still think it's my yeah, favorite I hair. Like, I like the dog man hair. I, am a, I really am not a fan of... I mean, I am a fan because it's like endearing, but I'm not a fan in like me having feels that are like zingy. <laughs> like that's not it for the... Or the Park Sejun comma hair in uh, Secretary Cam. I'm just saying. Or the suits. I really... I To me, the suit game was not was not it either <laughs> oh man i i like i love a suit i just thought his suits were like a little a little loud <laughs> okay well then you need to watch something about one percent well those were just ugly those yeah loud those are just ugly sorry yeah. i've talked about that before okay but look i think i i'm fine with him mm -hmm. in secretary kim and like better than fine but he like isn't a hero that is going to live in my mind rent-free in this drama. And I feel the same with his character in She Was Pretty, where, you know, he wasn't a chable, but he was an executive CEO type. So for me, it wasn't until I saw him in Fight For My Way that I was really on the team. Um, so for me, I think that I need him to be more of that, like, working class, heart of gold charmer that might have a little more heart than brains. And I, and I mean that as a compliment, because I think it's hard to pull off the like sweetly noble, vulnerable, insightful dummy kind of and not be silly and just kind of like derivative. So that being said, I do need to see him in Itaewon class because I feel like it's his best regarded character to date. So Megan, I know it didn't resonate with you as much, but I just feel like, you know, that that performance is talked about a lot. And I do want to see and I'm going to say that bull cut that does a thing to me in a way that the <laughs> secretary really oh, uh, like the entire really? style of him in um like all the promo for Ida one class to me is just like that is like a hundred percent my type <laughs> well let me just say okay so the thing about it one class is i had some like issues with the drama and but Park Sojun and his performance was incredible. Like I, I have no quibbles with it. It was only, it, and it, it's not even like, it's just his character wasn't just my personal favorite kind of character. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying like 
he was fantastic and uh his character was very well done and very developed and you often like knew the decisions he was going to make before he made them in that drama because well it's only because you know he's not really gonna i mean sometimes he surprises you but it's because you know he's always gonna choose kind of like this alpha altruistic thing like what's best for his team you know and also what's gonna make him be successful so anyway it's still worth a watch only because there's also so many references to Edoan class in like dramas now because it was so yeah so i would like to see it but just as a fun point of fact so he just flew to britain like just being the newspaper was saying like today just to start filming uh on the new captain marvel movie Oh my gosh, I'm out of my mind excited about and this. And I am going to say I'm resentful on this because I have zero desire to watch any Captain Marvel movie. <laughs> and now yeah. I have to. Now I have to because he's in it. I'm like, great. Now I need to like go back Same. and watch the first so one excited. and like get it all. Like, So he better have a pivotal role because I'm going to be investing some unwanted time in Captain Marvel. So which Parkman Young character has the better living space? Kim Mi-so's cute apartment with plushies and Secretary Kim. Young Shin's bedroom full of healer surveillance photos or Duck Mi's fangirl shrine in my private life. I love this. This is so fun. <laughs> I mean, Duck Mi has the most living space of the three, I think. And Miso does have a wardrobe big enough to hide a table. But I <laughs> think <laughs> I think I have to go with Young Shin's room where healer can pop in the window at any time. And there's a full cafe for all my coffee needs down below. Yeah, I agree. As adorable as her apartments were in Secretary Kim and my private life, does anything beat a bedroom where hottie healer can sneak in anytime? And the downstairs coffee shop is guarded at all times by Heart of Gold ex-cons. I know, seriously, like the best. (laughs) So look again, I'm the outlier tonight. So for me, it's duck me hands down because hello, she can like fan out in her sweet rooftop pad with that amazing patio and get it with Ryan Gold win-win. And she doesn't have to keep quiet because her daddy is in the next bedroom. <laughs> she did have an amazing patio. You are yes. right. That patio that is. the rooftop. So you forget cute. about the rooftop apartment and that awesome patio. That is, really I did good. forget about yeah, that. I did that too. Really cute. And I mean, like the healer. Like, yes, it's awesome. Healers coming in. <laughs> yeah, I just. I'm sorry. I can't. I'm still sticking with healer coming in my window. I'm still parking parkour right. Parkour right in my window. I mean, and I I really appreciate that. I just have a lot of curiosity about blindfolded (laughs) Ryan Gold. (laughs) I know you do. (sighs) So let's talk about the steaminess of this drama. Uh, We don't think that this is a spoiler to say that, you know, uh, the main leads kiss. There is some blouse untying and shirt unbuttoning. According to an article on Soompi last fall, a video of one of the kissing scenes from Secretary Kim was uploaded to YouTube and shot up 100 million views in just one month. Park Sojun's popularity from his role in Edwan class aired in 2020 is credited with the increasing popularity of his past dramas. Also a possible reason, COVID, which has increased interest in gay dramas as the public seeks entertainment at home and for us, an escape from reality. And I have have watched this kiss scene just stuck in quarantine, so I was one of those hundred million. I mean, it's the reason we're here right now. Like, if COVID hadn't happened, I don't know that we would have found Mm -hmm. gay dramas like we did. 
So Mail Business Newspaper reports that a source from What's Wrong with Secretary Kim production company Studio Dragon stated on September 8th, it seems like the popularity of Korean dramas is continuing and increasing lately, and we're grateful for this explosive reaction and love. So what are your thoughts on the spiciness of this drama? Uh, Do we want more of it in other K-dramas or what? So again, this was the third drama that I watched, right? I went Crash Landing on You, Goblin, and then What's Wrong with Secretary Kim. So I thought this drama had just the right balance of spicy and sweet. And at first I was floored at how spicy it was in comparison to Crash Landing on You, which was so chaste that it made me think that K-dramas just didn't show or even allude to sex on screen. And if anything, the sweet spiciness of Secretary Kim made me a little bit salty that we never got confirmation of boning with Riri. <laughs> Hashtag <and> never <laughs> over it. Never sleeping in separate bedrooms after crawling through the tunnel. Never. And these are not like, these are not like young 20 somethings either on their first date. Like these are people like adults, well-established in their careers in their thirties, like (laughs) late thirties. Like there is, there's no way that you're sleeping Mm. in separate bedrooms in that, in that apartment. So I thought that secretary Kim taught me something pretty powerful as a romance writer. So I don't think I write mindless pounding and I don't think that mindless pounding is like the point of the genre, despite, you know, all these like annoying hot takes that like come on social media, like, you know, once every quarter or something. But I felt like secretary Kim reminded me just how sexy it can be to like unbutton a single button and all the longing and those plethora of candles and the buildup and the anticipation all of that just felt really essential and then you know I felt like you had this build and then Secretary Kim kind of just gives this over nod that look these like two crazy kids just did it and I was like wow fade to black is hotter than I ever knew it could be you know I'd always been like oh fade to black sounds so boring and uptight unless you're reading like you know Jane Austen or like a Bronte sister book but really I felt like this was the first time where I saw it done because you know like in Chloe we just weren't having it at all and then as much as I love Goblin and I think they had amazing kissing like the bed stuff was a little weird (laughs) in that it was like a little bit like sleeping over with your best friend (laughs) like Megan said thank you Um, although I do think their kissing was not like that um but this was not, this was like adults who like were there to play and, but yet it went fade to black yet. It still felt incredibly like steamy and like, you know, I got everything I wanted out of it and it faded to black. And that was that I just felt like as like a romance writer as well, I was like, okay, like I need to think about like how that gave me all the, all the things in a way that like many overt scenes do not, or, you know, in a book. And so, um, and I think it is just like a lot of it is that buildup and that mental game. It is. It was really well done. And I love, like, like you said, the anticipation of it was everything. I really love that the next morning, you know, after they alluded to the, the sexy times, the next morning she walks in like wearing his shirt. And I love that they showed he gives her a look like he's uh, like physically attracted to her. He thinks she's sexy in his shirt and they have like a little banter about how she has to change or he'll never make it into the office. And I love that. That was just so very rom-com novel to me in a way that just made me like feel good. And, and, and it was like mm-hmm. sweet, but still sexy. And it, I didn't need to see, you know, like boob grabbing. I didn't need, I just, you know what I mean? It was enough for me. Um, And it was just done so well, I think. 
Yeah, and I mean, like, look, I, and there can be a boob grab. Like, I'm not opposed oh, to a boob grab. True. I'm just saying that this showed me where I thought, like, yeah, there was something where, like, I thought Fade to Black was just more of a snooze. And I was yeah. like, oh, absolutely not. These scenes were, and, and like, the slow-mo of him, uh, of him untying her mm. blouse, I will yes. never forget that. I mean, it was so so sexy and I, it's really intimate oh it is it's except can i just it, it is it's really intimate and it's really hot but like they were both virgins right yeah were they both virgins yeah how how is he that sexy like like undressing her as a virgin that's what i want to ask aura aura, <laughs> yeah. aura, aura. Is the aura. he's got the aura he kissed like he knew well he's thought yeah. about it clearly he wasn't like the jizz in my pants video <laughs> no and now it's time for our favorite part of the pod it's our k-recommendation of the week and this week we've, we've got megan with a k-pop rec so um i will say coming up in the next few podcasts guys there's a whole bunch of comebacks that i am so excited about so i cannot wait to start recommending um songs once everyone has their comebacks uh but for today, I'm recommending a recent release. So this is Thrill Ride by The Boys. And it's Boys is spelled B-O-Y-Z. Um, so this song just makes me happy. It's got a really catchy beat. It's fun. The video is fun. The video also, also feels like super female gaze. You got, I think you just have to watch it to see what I'm talking about. And they dance in bathrobes. And it's just, it's adorable. Um... And anyway, uh, the the chorus has been in my head nonstop for like two days because it's just so, so catchy. Um, so anyway, I hope you check it out. It's called Thrill Ride by The Boys. And I'll put it up on our Spotify. And comeback means single, right? Like it's just this. Oh, yeah. Every time you say it, every, and every time you say it, I'm like, all these people are having a comeback. Right. And so it's funny because I actually like I didn't understand that for a while when I first started like getting into K-pop. I was like, I don't. Did they leave? Like what? Right. And but it just means like the single from their album. A new release. It, yeah, yeah it essentially like it, means they're like their new release. It's like it's like the song that they like promote for two weeks heavily. It's like the title right. track. But yeah, it's called their comeback. I know. I had I had I had trouble with that too. But yes, that's that's what I mean. So I'm gonna have some really fun stuff coming up. I can't wait. Awesome. Well, let's move on now to the um, spoiler section of the pod. And if you have not watched What's Wrong with Secretary Kim or um you know you just want to like avoid any spoilers then please we leave you here good day (laughs) good day sir we bid you adieu (laughs) all right three two one (laughs) so let's get this out of the way because it's always the elephant in the room when it comes to the discussion of this drama the backstory so for a little background Young Jun and Miso met as kids when they were kidnapped together by a mentally ill woman. Young Jun protected Miso as best he could at the time as she was younger. The woman eventually hanged herself and the kids were able to escape and get home. The reason Young Jun was kidnapped was because his older brother, who was a little jealous of him, left him alone in order to be, you know, taken. Uh, to deal with the guilt, the older brother convince the older and again these kids they were like kids so i don't know eight ten something yeah. like that so to deal with the guilt the older brother who was a kid at the time convinced himself that he was the one 
who was kidnapped. And in order to protect their older son's fragile mind at the time, uh, their parents let him believe his delusions and young June changed his name. To prevent I, I still don't understand the name change part. I, the name part... change, I agree, is weird, which we can get into. <laughs> so he didn't meet Miso again until he saw her name on his company hireless and promoted her to his personal secretary. She did not recognize him uh, until later. And she and he had changed his name, but she couldn't remember his name anyway, you know. Anyway, so some of the drama involves the mistaken belief that the older brother is the one who is kidnapped with her until the truth comes out. So, yeah. What did you think about the backstory and why? And this is kind of where we can discuss how our opinions might be different based on when we watch this drama in our K-drama journey. Yeah, I mean, that nails it, Megan, like just when we watched it, because um, it's all based on timing. Again, my early drama order was Crash Landing a New Goblin and then What's Wrong with Secretary Kim. All I knew about K-drama at this point was that I was hooked and a fan for life. I didn't know the formula. I didn't know the tropes and the cliches. So when in Chloe, all of the past coincidences between Sari and Captain Ree were slowly revealed, I was like, oh my God, what are the odds of these faded meetings before they knew each other? Like, this is so cool. And then in Goblin, it was fantasy. So pretty much anything goes, which means like none, nothing surprised me in Goblin because it was fantasy. Um, you know, nothing about fate or past lives or reincarnation. Like I was not phased at all. That one little bit. Then comes Secretary Kim, which I think is this cute little rom-com that has like kind of a two weeks notice vibe to give it like a Western comp. So color me flabbergasted or even bamboozled when the tragic backstory came to light. Like what the actual fuck? This is bananas. However, a year later and plenty more dramas under my belt, I totally get it. And if I were to watch this drama for the first time today, the, this backstory, other than the name change, would not, I would not even blink. Like, it, I think it, and, it, and it, the backstory had nothing to do with even how I rated the drama, like back then either, like how I, what I thought of it. I just thought it was like cuckoo bananas, but now I get it and I love it. Yeah. So, Leah and Amy kept telling me to like brace for the backstory. And I also um, saw on Twitter, there was a tweet that said, you know, which K drama has the craziest backstories. And like over half of the responses said secretary Kim. And I was like, I still think it's a pretty crazy backstory. I do. Well, I was like, okay. So I was ready for full on bananas. Okay. When the truth came out, I was actually really let down because I was promised that shit. And I did not get enough the name change yeah. and like the they're just like the it's okay like we don't want to upset I, him i mean i <laughs> right no 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 no. i i, I totally look it, it's it's batshit for, <laughs> for like any other standards but for k-drama standards it didn't feel it felt tame for a k-drama for me right like, like you was, saw there this was no bloody of, there was yeah. no bloody so, emoji yeah. ads bursting out of mouths with no context correct there was no who raised gia there was no blackie getting randomly adopted there was no like two brothers wandering <laughs> off at eight and ten to pay their taxes alone like it, it's okay not to be okay i mean and most of all there wasn't like an entire <laughs> brother forgotten along with the craziest adoption story of all time <laughs> like in her private life so yeah i have apparently seen too many k dramas so secretary kim did not like even rate on the crazy scale i mean i will agree like it's 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 crazy but i'm saying compared to like what i thought was coming 
because everyone's like oh wait till you wait till you see about the zip ties it's like well yeah he was tied by zip ties like i don't the zip ties i didn't think was it was the brother thing it, i agree it was the brother thing that was i thought that the me. name change was was actually like i get why they had to do it like at least i would say too why well because the older brother didn't change his name well, no, 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 no. Like, it wasn't like he went by a young Jew right, or whatever. Right. I mean, I mean, writing wise, I see why they did it. I'm not saying it made sense. I'm saying like I get writing wise because they wanted like a red herring in there. They wanted her to believe um, that it was the older brother. Oh, so that he, so he didn't yeah. have the right. So name. like, yeah, I get it from a writing standpoint. I guess that's what I mean, and I think that's what bothered me so much about her private life is I felt like the writing was bad on it. I felt like. You know, and, and no one's going to convince me that made sense. Someone on Twitter was trying to convince me it made sense. And I was just like, I appreciate you. but <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was bad writing in her private life. But um, so so it, it, I guess writing wise, it made sense to me. And that's why I didn't feel like taken aback by like just like utter nutso. Like, again, I will never be over Ryan Gold being left at an orphanage in the middle <laughs> of the night and also being just randomly kept by a woman for three months i'm sorry for a month. i can't for a month i get it i i, know, I, I, will, I think i, will I can admit, take that I mean, more was, i honestly like I said, feel like that was holds definitely for me more totally crazy like i cannot believe that the parents were just like the parents were just like like this poor boy had just been through utter like we didn't talk all about it but he had been like zip tied and like she was going to like kill them like she this, this woman was was crazy and he literally watched her hang herself like like terrible traumatic he had he had scars you know he woke up and made sure that miso didn't yeah see he made sure that miso like, didn't see i mean he took on a lot of responsibility he got them home i mean the poor boy was like incredibly traumatized and i don't know if it's like an older thing that they were like trying to protect the older son but who got him who got him kidnapped and they were like well i guess you know we'll do i mean it was a again it was a bad decision i think again what i was waiting for was like a backstory that <laughs> forgot a dead brother yeah forgot a dead brother <laughs> i don't mind a good faded mates or previous connections like we got with Chloe and like a lot of dramas where we see these childhood connections. I think Chloe did it really well because it was like smaller. You know what I mean? It was smaller and it was coincidences rather than. And I, yeah, I can live with together. like a past life or I can live with like, you know, like you were childhood best friends that like, you know, whatever, whatever. But I felt, I feel like sometimes like I go on a run of shows where like, it's just happening over and over. And I'm like, look, we really like, I can enjoy a drama where you didn't know yep. each other or were in a shared trauma as a child. Like I can, I can live with that. <laughs> yeah. Share. <laughs> it's always, it's always shared childhood trauma. It's so true. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree. And like I said, I, I do believe like if, if I would have seen this drama after Chloe, I would have been like, this is insane. Like, I, that's why I totally, as soon as you guys were like, it was the third drama we saw after Chloe and Goblet, I was like, well, no wonder you thought it was like absolutely nuts. Like, yeah, if you, I mean, again, it's still kind of nuts, but for a K drama, it's just run of the mill. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> it's okay not to be okay with, was nuts in the back, you know, in, in the backstory, like mm -hmm. stuff like that. 
So, and also Tale of the Nine-Tailed, which was just... Yeah, okay, just a quick spoiler alert. Please watch Tale of the Nine-Tailed, pod, or no. watch, listen to our podcast and Tale of the Nine-Tailed if you don't want to be spoiler and skip for like five seconds. But yeah, I mean, nobody is stuck in a Chinese lantern and then getting randomly huffed by, you know, the chairman of the board for like never ending life. And it's never really explained, nor does it show what those souls were doing while in the plant, like while they were like some poor unfortunate soul, a la little mermaid, like in the plant waiting to get huffed. Oh my God, little mermaid. <laughs> yeah. I totally forgot about the little mermaid. Oh my yeah, God. Remember those little like good... green kelp? Yeah, LG people like that's what happens to and then they just pop out. Yeah, and except like, like there's right, no context. So yeah, anyway, yes, like... I am okay with bananas. I just like a little context. By totally, 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 and I yeah, I totally agree. And I felt like they. So here's the thing: is with Secretary Kim, I feel like it was light on. I loved. I thought it was great on chemistry, light on conflict, and I felt like they tried to shoe in some of like the cliche. Now, in hindsight, cliche like. They had to have the love triangle and I am a love triangle junkie. And this love triangle was like super weak to me. Like we knew it was never going to be it. And I hate when they waste your time with a love triangle where it's like, look, it's obviously not that dude. Just like move along. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if I would call it a love triangle. It was so weak because she, there was zero interest on her part. Yeah, I feel like it she wasn't had good. To, she would have had to feel something, but she was just, she was cold to him the whole time. I mean, but it was like, was, why did never... we have to spend episodes dealing with that guy liking True. the brother liking her? True. True. Agreed. Except that he was Morpheus, the writer, oh. the secret writer. Yeah. I was like, really? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I loved it. But like I said, I feel like the conflicts as right. they like came through, I was like, mm, I feel like you took some good characters and then kind of gave them like a fairly average plot. Okay. I think that's fair. Anyway. So thoughts on how um, Young Jun's family handled the truth coming to light. Speaking of all of our bitching on, or my bitching on, like, this backstory. So, yeah. you know, the the healing, the rifts, etc. So, I mean, in real life, parents make mistakes. And in K-dramas, they really make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> And like usually they're really delusional about it. They stick to their guns that this is that the decisions they made twenty years ago were right. Like uh I'm not gonna give a spoiler oh about my gosh, this is making me think of Flower of Evil. <laughs> yes. I was just gonna say Flower of Evil. Like, I'm sorry, and this is not this won't ruin anything for you, but all I gotta say is there's like people who made terrible mistakes and stuck to their guns until it was just way, way, way too late. And you know, they continue the lies and the frauds and whatever. And while this did go on for a little in Secretary Kim, I was pretty amazed that the parents were the ones, his parents were the ones who kind of looked at each other and said, you know what, like we need to come clean. And they actually sat each son down. Like there wasn't, you know, how like, they're like, we're going to go tell the truth. And then something like, yeah, big happens and the truth comes out and they, you know. Like, and I'm not a robot. Like he will die. Yeah, like, and I'm not a robot. <laughs> yeah so but these parents actually like they took each son aside they sat him down and they also like you know apologized for what they did <laughs> i like, love that you're rationalizing story. this right now i know, I know so, but, son son my so your memories that... aren't real you were not well, the yeah. one who was like just deaf. we've indulged oh, terrible. Like, we've indulged this for years your brother we is the one your, your little for... brother who is the one and he I, had to hold it in yeah. all and these so you know years. how he hasn't like you one yeah, he hasn't liked you so much and it's because <laughs> he was the one zip tied and tortured 
not yeah. you, but then you took it all from him. And we've all been okay with that. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not trying to justify it. It's crazy. <laughs> My point, though, is that I really liked that the parents apologized and also kind of, like, validated their feelings. Like, they were like... <laughs> Is Megan the only one who answered this one? It is. I just like because <laughs> I wrote it. I know like, she wanted to defend the parents. And I, I, I did. Just, I this did. is I like a very indefensible position. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I liked it. I liked it. I liked that they took each set aside and they said, "We really screwed up your life for twenty years, and we are sorry." And they cried about it and then made up. And I kind of I liked it. Okay, I liked how it was like tied it a little bow. It just felt very wholesome. <laughs> and then and it was wholesome for also, like three episodes after that. It was. And one thing is I thought they were going to do it is because for a while they had that older brother just like wandering around like days. So I was like, oh, he's going to like kill someone. He's going to kidnap. I thought something bad me was so. going to happen with that too. Like I, I fully thought he was going to kidnap me so and like go crazy. So the fact that they kind of had them like snap out of it and then like the brothers made up and all of a sudden they were besties again. Or they weren't besties again, but they definitely fe- it felt like they were on their way to like um a reconciliation, kind of like healing. Yeah. yeah, it's reconciliation, and I thought that that was really nice. Like I actually found, despite like again the crazy backstory, I found what they did as a as like when the boys were adults was was fairly non toxic. Like I felt like the whole drama didn't didn't feel super toxic and i like that if it, it felt it was very feel good despite the crazy backstory it was still very feel good the brother me. reconciliation is actually because it wasn't like a tearjerker drama but i actually did cry in that scene with the, like the brother reconciliation so that did yeah. hit me but i yeah i can't yeah. get behind the parents what they yes i'm glad they told the truth and apologized <laughs> but what they did up until then and these, reprehensible. these were little children they weren't like 18 they were like yeah. five so if like my five year old was like kidnapped, and then like you know I have a seven year old that's like, "Mommy, I'm claiming this trauma for me," I wouldn't be like, "Well, okay, I'm, I guess we're just gonna have to go with," you know, because didn't young didn't young June like pretend to like lose his memory about it? Yes, so that so yeah. that they could coddle yes. his brother and then change and his name and then change his change his name. Just don't even worry about it. Take my name. Take my memories. Take it all. Take my experience, give it to him. I won't even be and here anymore. We'll have it be a conflict, mm-hmm. but overall it's a feel-good conflict, so we have to just kind of bump through it and then like move on to like the sexy like shirt and buttoning. <laughs> the wedding. Yeah, I know. I know, I totally agree. I totally agree. I'm not I'm not disagreeing. I'll, all I'm saying is that I guess I like that. There, there were I no hear real you. I mean, I do hear you. Story. I'm yeah, just yeah, laughing totally, because totally. I, it's funny. Yeah. No, I know. I, I like sometimes, especially when you watch some dramas, like say, like Lawless Lawyer, where there's like really, really. Right. There are some bad people who villain. just never come to terms with like the horror that they cause, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. And this was kind of nice. There's again, remorse. Sometimes it is yeah. nice. It is nice to watch a drama where there's no real villain. Yeah. So, you know, you just kind of want like happiness, and that's the way this drama was to me. What did you think about the pacing of the drama? So, speaking of happiness and this drama being mostly happiness, which is great, the pacing is my only gripe about the drama because I do like conflict, but I didn't like 
how quickly it was resolved here, I guess. Like the story was great. Like both the romance and the bananas backstory and the B romances were delightful too. I loved it all. Like, you know, the, the two other office romances, especially one suit guy and the other secretary, Kim, like that was so fun. But until we got to the last two to three episodes and then the drama had burned through all of the conflict that it had and had nothing left but fluff. And I like fluff. I really do, but not in place of story, which is kind of what this felt like for me. It's a great addition to the story, but it shouldn't be used when the story runs out. And so for me, this would have been a five out of five drama if it had been like a 12 to 14 episode drama, but the ending lagged a lot for me and I started losing interest, which like how dare anyone make me lose interest when Park Sejun and Park Min Young are on the screen, but that's kind of what happened for me. Um, I would say the last two episodes were just them telling each other how pretty they are. <laughs> <laughs> like truly. Just like you're stunning. No, you're stunning. No, you are. No, you are. Like that was that was literally the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. So if you like that, I mean they were stunning and they are pretty. They're but there was no story level. left. There was nothing there left. There was no story left. I agreed. But I okay, and here's the thing again, but like at that point, like I kind of was just happy. Like to me, this was a very like I felt like this drama was like cotton candy. Oh, and totally. I like cotton candy with a kidnapping, <laughs> like, with a kidnapping yeah, and, and so a you know I got through the kidnapping and was kind of like whatever whatever but then like you know by the end when it was just like a couple of things of them just being like oh you're I like you I like you and whatever I don't know I just remember enjoy like being like this is fine like you know I think you got to be in the mood for it too but like sometimes it's right. nice to not be devastated and just be happy and i i mean they're both just so charming and have so much chemistry that like so much i mean i could watch them play backgammon i mean like it was all (laughs) or go last two episodes were all like wedding stuff you know where i just would have liked a little bit more story like i loved i loved him getting drunk with dad like you know stuff like that so i just i and we could like i feel like you could have stretched the story more by giving us more with like the second you know, the B romances, because there were two other, you know, romances going on. So I feel like we could have maybe stretched that a little bit more. I don't know. They're just, it, it was, it wasn't enough for 16 episodes for me. Yeah. 12 episodes would have like crushed yes. it. Yeah. Well, speaking of the B romances, so who are your favorite, what, what were your favorite B romances? Leah, okay. You so. For me, it was, um, so for me, it was Yang Cheyol all the way, like played by Kong Hong Suk. He and Bong Se Ra, like their own little hot Nuna romance melodrama with him being my hero. Like I will never be over my hero. And I think I have like weird categories of types. Like I don't have like one type I like gravitate towards, um, like in K-drama or in life or in like film, but I have like little archetypes that do it for me. And one of those archetypes that do it for me is like what I like to call kind of like the big dumb lug. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean that in a nice way. Same. And so like I live in Santa Cruz and we often see folks who are like surfy dudes that are kind of like a big guy, big shoulders, like kind of in like a sweatshirt and like maybe some Carhartt work pants, like getting out of their work truck and like going to grab some like ginseng tonic before they hit the waves. And I'm always like, 
Yeah, that's like that's a look. And this guy kind <laughs> of had that vibe in a different way of being like kind of a little more like innocent. He also he reminded me of I don't can't remember the character's name, but the um the lug that was in Coffee Prince that liked her sister. Oh, of just kind of like this like yes. kind of like, the one who passed away in the motorcycle yes. accident in real life. But he like the same kind of vibe and I like that energy of just like all in on their woman but like kind of like a little hapless. I don't know. I just loved him. I I could have watched a whole show just on like the two of them, honestly. Yeah. I love the supporting cast um, a lot. So I think my favorite storyline was the one suit guy with the intern, Mm. the other secretary, Kim. Um, To me, that whole relationship actually had enough meat to be its own drama. If they would have, you know, really, it was really sweet and funny. It was super funny. Yeah. It was very funny. Like the whole thing, um, his backstory was, was really great. And then the whole thing where he's living on the roof. I mean, just that whole romance was really sweet and, and I loved it. He gets super. And I appreciated him after. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad I saw him in secretary kim before suspicious partners although it was jarring to see him in suspicious partners because he's not so nice but i loved him in this yes Mm -hmm. totally and he's kind of like one of those actors who's like a chameleon like you don't realize he's in something you know what i mean like a lot it, it took it took like what else was he in he was in was he in um what do you call it holo he was in my holo love too Yes, mm-hmm. yes, he right. was. Yeah, oh, I loved took, him in that. It felt, yes. Like it took me a while to realize that that was him. Like he's just like I don't know. He just kind of like melts into the role, and he does it really well. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, and he, I think he has like some leading potential, but like he's much more of like a character. You know, like he's yes. less of like the visual and more of like the character. But I think he could hold his own definitely in kind of like a quirky melodrama. Thoughts on Miso standing up for the importance of her work and demanding respect for it. So I wrote this question, obviously, because I really wanted to answer this because I really like this one scene. But so she's a secretary and we all know how hard secretaries work and how little they're often appreciated. And her work mattered. Her work was important. And when young June tried to tell her to, like, take it easy, like he was like, you know, you don't you can rest or whatever. um, She really took offense to it and she stood up for herself. And this is another thing that I loved about it it wasn't even really about what she was or her role it was just the fact that she was like what i do matters because i worked hard to be as good at this job as i am and i she wanted him to respect her for it um and then i love that he understood where she was coming from and actually was like okay you're right i that was that was wrong of me so they had a lot of little conflicts in their relationship like this that i think at the time seemed like small and trivial but by the time i got to the end of the drama i i really it really made me happy because i really did feel like they communicated a lot um and it felt very real because sometimes they're like little bickering was about like normal things that normal couples kind of need to work out in order to, to get along so it was refreshing to see and it really uh, it made me feel like they would be a successful couple going forward. But speaking of secretaries, uh, did you did you want to see Miso take on another role at the end rather than stay on as Young June's secretary? Yeah, this was a really tough one for me. Like on the one hand, I was happy to have a drama that points out that all jobs, no matter how they are sort of ranked in any office hierarchy, are important. 
And maybe Miso doesn't earn Chable level one, but her job is integral to Young June being successful. But on the other hand, I was so happy to see her say enough is enough, you know, in the beginning of the drama. I've been like, enough is enough. I've been doing this job forever, not because I wanted to, but because I needed to provide for my family. And now it's time for me to strike out on my own and figure out what it is that makes me me. Like, what do I love? And I wanted her to find her thing. And so maybe that thing was working as Young June's secretary for the rest of her life. But I guess if that's how it was going to be, I wanted that realization to be bigger. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Like I wanted a little more out of it than I got for me to feel okay with her staying. So I guess overall, I'm I'm happy that they turned out happy, but I don't, yeah, I, I feel like it was very, it fell very flat to me that she was just like, no, actually, I'm not going to leave. I'm just going to stay. And there was no sort of like light bulb moment or anything like, like, oh, I actually love what I'm doing because I don't think she had any sort of frame of reference, right? Like she just always had that job because she needed it. So when she was finally like, I'm going to go figure out what is out there for me. And she never even did that. That was a little bit, that, that was a little bit meh for me. Okay. I liked, I need to preface what I'm going to say because I liked this drama and I feel like today on the pod, like maybe, you know, some of like the COVID stuff from today is like darkened by mood or something. Cause I really liked this drama and I feel like it's got high rewatch potential for me and it made me really happy to watch. And there were things I just didn't like about it too. So that's okay because overall I love it. Yeah. Um, But I disliked this ending. I think like for me, it was like WTF is up with her ending as a secretary, not because I um, devalue administrative work. You know what I mean? And she was clearly good at it and found value. But I felt like there was like, yeah, this whole push that she was going to like figure out like this didn't feel it for her. And she was going to figure out like what was her thing. That was like the whole thing, part, like the whole what's wrong with Secretary Kim. Yeah. So it felt like this like I don't and I haven't looked up to see like who this writer is. But like there felt like there was like this weird patriarchal cop out. And I, I said what I said in that like I feel like. A woman can and should stand by her man if he's like a worthy man, but she shouldn't be chained to like catering to his idiosyncrasy forever in the workplace if she's going to be his wife as like the happy ending. And like as much as I love Aura and like that vibe he had, like that might get old in 20 years. <laughs> and so like, you know, real talk for my 40s here is like, that's cute now, Secretary Kim. But am I going to pick like, out your tie what do you every do, day? Girl? Because like- yeah like that's not what you're gonna want to like he yeah you don't want to do that like in 20 years when you're tired or like in 10 years and you've got a baby and they're not sleeping and then like yeah you're having to like help this guy like navigate like the basics of life like no come on and like just really randomly (laughs) to tack onto this and this is not well it's not even tacking onto it. it's just another random thing that i'm just thinking about and it's not just in this drama but why are all secretaries in k-dramas secretary kim's like, there have been other Secretary Kim's male, too. Like, there have been others. Like, I feel like Secretary Kim is, like, a popular name. I think Kim is just, like, the most common surname. It is. You know? It is. And so, yeah. I just think there's just, that's there's probably There's been a lot of Secretary Kim. In Itawan class, there's a Secretary Kim. I'm almost positive in Itawan class, there's one. Yeah, I... So, 
what's weird is like so i like had tweeted like i'm watching secretary kim i'm really enjoying it and someone responded to the tweet saying yeah i loved it but i hated how he ended up as her secretary oh and i was like one and i was like okay oh that sucks people um, don't do that to us yeah yeah and we should i mean and we yeah, don't want to do it to you either. That's yeah. Yeah. I was like, like, okay i mean it wasn't a big deal it is that's how it's... um yeah that's a huge I mean, spoiler it kind of sucked it is so i was kind of like ah oh. um because i would say that that was one of my favorite parts about the beginning of the drama i loved that her reasoning for quitting was that she wanted to find what she wanted to do um so it really did bum me out and part of me felt I agree with Amy like I wished if that is really what she wanted to do then I guess I would have wanted to see some more like passion or whatever and because I don't I, I really think that the passion of taking care of your boyfriend and our hus- husband and his workplace like if that's why you're staying on honey that's gonna get old in like two seconds like I would never ever want to work with my husband like I only want him in yeah. my office at here at home like so, so I don't know it bummed me out a little and I think, okay, so like without naming names, I worked for a place that was a great workplace. And without um, naming names. But, yeah, but like as nothing, nowhere in California. Yeah. But it was this weird dynamic where the like executive director slash CEO had a big office, a amazing view, a big desk, and his wife was his executive assistant, and she had a tiny desk and she had the tiny desk behind his big desk in the corner oh, no. and I always just like was like mm. this you know because there's no reason she couldn't have had a space elsewhere but this is like and so I'm like mate you know and so it's like this like conflict of like you know if this is what she's choosing actively and like with agency to be like I want the tiny desk in the corner of the big office behind my husband's big desk Okay, like if that is like clearly it, but like I was like, that's, but that's got some weird vibes it? going with it. Like, yeah, that does have like... some weird vibes, dude. <laughs> that's some really weird. Vibes. And that's what this. And so I guess that's the lens that I took away. Like, I'm like, is this what Secretary Kim is in for? Like, soon she's gonna have, she's gonna be very like plucky and competent and like doing it all, but she's got like the little desk behind his big desk, right? Ish. Yeah. And I don't think the drama wanted that. I think the drama wanted us to be like, she chose this. She's happy. This is where she was meant to be all along. Sure. And I would have rooted for that. But like I said, I don't feel like there was enough evidence to show me that's what she needed. In In my mind, she quits in three years and then finds some really awesome hobby. Like, like, I don't know, something fun where she like knits. I don't know. And and starts she an becomes Etsy a shop philo- or something. You know what I mean? A philanthropic powerhouse. Yeah, like she does something cool. And yeah, in my head. Yeah, because if I mean to me, if my husband after twenty five years of marriage is looking at me going aura, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. Or maybe I wish that they would have shown her that she has developed like a really like great skill that was helpful elsewhere in the office. Yes. So she could have been like she still could have been like a super great asset to the business but it just would have been something where she doesn't have to work like under her like directly under her husband i think that that's like be the head of hr even like you know what i mean like she could have still done like some sort of administration where like she's like running a department or something but yeah the fact that we went back to her being 
his like, secretary. I'm sorry, when, like, but I felt in like, five yeah. years, if my husband's still like, can you make me that instant coffee? I'd be like, no, get it your fucking self. Like, cut no. open your own. Yes, this maximum. is you can no. It. Like, you know what? You snored last <laughs> night. You kept me awake for two hours. Get your own fucking coffee. Like, I, I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, that's marriage. Right. So don't tell me yeah. that that's like, you're just going to be like, oh, I will fix your time. I can't, ima- like, yeah, so, like, I can't imagine yeah. being married and having my job be doting on my partner from for for a paycheck (laughs) (laughs) literally makes me want to (laughs) hurl oh sorry secretary kim so the entire time i was watching this drama i really felt like it had full touch your heart vibes so you and na plays an actress uh, who is researching a role as a secretary. So she's working for a gr- very grumpy and emotionally unavailable lawyer played by Lee Dong-wook. And it's really cute. There are great kissing scenes. Um, it's fairly low angst and is overall just like a delightful watch. I, I really, really enjoy Touch Your Heart. So I really think if you like Secretary Kim, you're gonna like Touch Your Heart. They, to me, feel like very direct comps. So go forth and do that. And how about a romance book rack to go along with Secretary Kim? Leah? Okay, so I'm going to give a rack, but I'm also going to give some caveats to this rack because I know that some folks out there listening like to write and I know that um some like lots of folks like to read and this is just I think an interesting little tale of writing. So, um the book I wanted to comp is my own novella with some caveats and I'm comping it for some specific reasons. So it's called Into My Arms and it's very short. Like I said, it's a novella. It's like 35, 40,000 No, that's not a novella. Um, It's probably like 15, 25,000. No, it's not that short. It's like 30,000. Yeah, it's probably 30,000. Then if it's like 30,000, I still can't believe you're writing a story for this. (laughs) Yeah, it's not 40. Okay. Okay. I think, yeah, 28, 30 is about, okay. So we talked really okay i just want to like make this as fast as i can so we talked briefly about how you know earlier the covid test reminded me of a surprise pregnancy test so right before i got pregnant with my third child i was i had done a lot i was writing a lot and publishing a lot and when that happens you can get pile up where you know you've got projects that you're like writing and editing and like things are moving and it's just a lot to juggle and you know amy and megan have been there more recently than me like since i've had kids i've really had to like or since i've had my third i've really had to like take some steps back um and so i had a book that was due and it was this book into your arms and i knew i wanted to write a book about a billionaire like chayball type in Silicon Valley and he had a touch phobia. And so that's why I thought it would be a cool comp to secretary Kim, because he kind of has like, it goes away, but he has like a touch. He doesn't like to be touched. And I was stoked on this idea. And the other thing is I wanted him to have like this pet fish and he was going to be like in love with his assistant and like, have like kind of like not be able to communicate his feelings. So some very good comps to it. Um, I really love the idea still. And the book is okay. I'm actually trying to get the rights back for the book right now. So because I didn't have a chance to do with it what I wanted because I wrote it in two days. <laughs> and that sucks, <laughs> as you could imagine. And I like, so sometimes writing took me to crazy places. And this yeah. is one where like, I think I did like two 
Okay, now that I'm thinking back, like I did, the book has to be like 25,000 words because I did about two 12,000 word days back to back. That's still bananas because I did it. I recently did like an 8,000 word day or whatever, and that was still bananas. Really insane. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, so mentally draining, so time draining, physically draining because you're sitting there. And, um, one of right. my critique partners, Jen Ryan, so neither of these two, but she writes um, really great cowboy romances. Um, and you can like get her books, go get Jen Ryan. Um, she was such a friend to me in that. So I was just sending her chapters just to be like, can you just read this to make sure it's like thematically making sense? Because I'm writing at such a fast fevered pitch. Like I don't actually know if like the <laughs> book makes sense any sense so just read it but also what happens and i think you both know this too is that when you start to write really fast especially if you've written fast and like you know how to write a book sometimes it's like fairly clean just because like it sucks and it's painful and i hate it but like but the story pours out of you and i don't think this book ended up being anything that i wanted it to be but but if you want to write, read a book I wrote in two days. I read it and I enjoyed panic. it. So I will say that. like, And I will like get my rights back on it. I'm almost positive. And then I'm going to like self-publish <laughs> it because I'm going to like fix what I wanted to fix. And like, I really do actually love this like core story. Read Into Your Arms by Leah Riley. <laughs> Yay. It was my billionaire fish book. That's what I called it because he has a very, very expensive fish. Because I thought it'd be so fun to have the assistant, kind of like a secretary, Kim, who has to like FML my life is like tending to this like dude's fish. I do remember Leah telling us about this book. And I was like, this sounds amazing. Like bananas. Amazing. And yeah. Yeah, it is. So I, I feel like I got there, but like I, yeah, it's, it's in the back of my mind of this has the potential to be a magna opus for me. I just need to like get it back and like really like give it the, give it what it's due. <laughs> All right. So what's and it's one of the watching? reasons I was like, you have to watch. I'm not a robot, Leah. He's got a touch phobia. This is like your hero. So good. It's so good. So um, I finished secretary Kim, obviously uh, right before this podcast. And then I started startup uh, because we are doing a deep dive on that uh, month or two. And I am really loving it. I just, uh, yeah. So I don't know if I've actually ever said what my husband does, but he is a software engineer Mm -hmm. and um, he's just very (laughs) kind of like Mm -hmm. left brained, Mm -hmm. like brutally honest. It just, everything is so, so the, the main hero of this drama is just hitting me right in like you know and it right kind of in the realm of me that likes my husband because I don't always like him but I you know anyway so anyway it's just I I really love it um I think it's shot really pretty um it's it's really a gorgeous production uh and it's my first drop first Bay Susie drama which is um kind of exciting so I'm you know I'm really I'm only on episode three please don't tell me how it ends (laughs) Well, we, it was part of our give, like our summer um, giveaway but, as um, a listener picked that. Yeah. I mean, I do know there's yeah, nobody, nobody. That was Megan. Megan Hernandez. For me, I haven't watched it yet. So. I'm really enjoying it. So I'm really excited to talk about it. Mm. And I irresponsibly watched Reply 1988. So 
I watched the entire drama. It's 20, uh, it's 20 episodes of like an hour and a half to almost two hour dramas. Like, you know, and I watched it in a week. I was up at like 3.30 in the morning being like, I mean, this is like horrible. I have to work. I have like whatever. Now I'm like worried that I've like compromised my immune system. But I loved it. And I have to give a sincere thank you, not only to the folks who recommended it, but also to K-Drama Land for just like somehow not talking, not spoiling the drama. Because I went into it not really knowing the storylines. And I'm surprised because it's so popular how much I didn't know. And that let me have this like really amazing experience in watching it. So I'm not trying to talk about it much because I don't want to um, do that to Amy and Megan when they eventually watch it. Yeah. And I'm still making my way through Into the Ring because that's going to be surprise, surprise. It's going to be our <laughs> next show. Um, and I'm I'm halfway done with Into the Ring and I'll, I'll finish it for next week. Um, I'll, I'll binge some this weekend. I really, really am enjoying it. It's a gorgeously shot drama. Like we've talked about the cinematography. I just, it's, it's so pretty. It's so cool stylistically. Um, and it's just a joy to watch. So I'm really excited to talk about it next week. Absolutely. I, I cannot believe Megan, like of all people, Megan to be the one to go into this drama amazes me like small town politics, whatever, whatever, like public administration. I was like, how did you pick this? And I'm so grateful because just and I feel like it's a little bit like I'm not a robot and that like I feel like people should be talking about this drama more it's so good yeah so like we said next week is into the ring um you know if you have time maybe watch it before you listen to us I I, uh I will say it is a delightful drama and it'll catch it'll take it'll take you by surprise nothing about it I think seems appealing if you read about it it's adorable yeah next week all right. Well, that's it for today then. Thanks for hanging, everybody. Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon of Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind the scenes photos, and of course, pics of our favorite Opas and Anis. Annyeong!